On January 14, 2004, a decomposed body was discovered inside an abandoned grain silo in Macon County, Alabama. Using dental records, investigators were able to identify the body as a missing 33-year-old Alabama man who had disappeared only 47 days earlier. This is the mysterious, unsolved case of Mont Hiley IV. Welcome to Crime Soup Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kanapis. And I'm Kaylee. And this week we'll be discussing the bizarre and unsolved death of Alabama man Mont Hiley IV. So first I'm going to give our listeners a quick rundown on the Hiley family, and then we'll dive into the mysterious circumstances leading up to Mont's disappearance and death. So Mont Hiley IV, who I'm going to refer to simply as Mont for the rest of the episode, was 33 years old at the time of his disappearance. He was the youngest of three children. He had two older sisters. His father was a primary care physician. I don't really know any finer details about his mother, but their family appeared to be pretty well off financially. They had a main residence in Montgomery, Alabama, where the kids grew up, but then they also had a lake house, and they had a 290-acre hunting property 30 minutes outside of town. Most of this story revolves around the family's hunting property, which was in a rural part of the state called Shorter, Alabama. So the, like, the town is called Shorter. And that's 25 miles outside of Montgomery. Kaylee, are you familiar with Alabama at all? Uh, no, I've only been to Alabama once, and it was while I was visiting family in Mississippi, and we crossed over to Alabama to visit a zoo. And it was the saddest, most depressing, most awful zoo that I've ever been to. Zero out of ten would not recommend. (laughs) So that's all I know about Alabama. That and don't they rank like 50th in education? I don't think that they have a great reputation. But from... I didn't include this in my outline, but... So Mont the 4th, he's 33, like I mentioned. And if you want to picture him, he's a pretty quintessential, like southern prep white boy does that make sense yes yes it does (laughs) like he went to the university of alabama he like loves watching football he doesn't own a pair of jeans you know what i'm talking about he wears docks and uh and sweaters wrapped around his neck (laughs) yes and we're gonna cut we're gonna circle back to the sweaters later oh my god (laughs) He's your pretty quintessential white southern well-off man, the son of a doctor, okay? Well, he has the fourth in his name, so... Yes, exactly. So, our story actually begins on Thanksgiving, Thursday, November 27th, 2003, as the Hiley family gathers at their daughter Leanne's house for the holiday. So, this is Mont's older sister. The only thing out of the ordinary about Thursday, according to Mont's mother, Gail 
is that Mont seemed quieter than usual, but not enough to cause any concern at the time. After Thanksgiving dinner, the next day on Friday, Mont spent the day at his parents' house in Montgomery. But about 5 o'clock p.m., Gail remembers being in the kitchen and hearing her son having a friendly conversation with someone on his cell phone. Immediately after this phone call, Mont tells his family that he's made a change of plans. Originally, Mont had plans to go hunting with his father at their hunting property on Saturday, so the next day. But after getting off this phone call, he tells everyone that he's actually going to drive out to their hunting trailer that evening and that he'll simply see his dad tomorrow. Does all that make sense so far? How old is this kid? He's 33. Oh. <laughs> I was infantilizing him earlier. Yeah, sorry. You already told me he was 33. <laughs> no. This is and then my brain reverted. This is a 33-year-old man. Okay, I was like, they're just letting him go? <laughs> Honestly, in the South, he could have been 14, and I'd be like, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. So he, he decides that he's going to go up to the hunting property by himself. Mont drives off in his Chevy Tahoe, headed toward the family's hunting property, and his next verified location is when he stops at a gas station just off the freeway exit, and he buys some beer. He's going to meet somebody. Maybe. You don't think people just buy beer for themselves? I guess maybe it's a nice hunting cabin? It's not. It's, a, it's like a trailer. Why would you want to spend the night there by yourself? When you don't have to. Like, I'm an introvert. I wouldn't want to, like, spend unnecessary time with people. But even then, I can just lock myself in a comfy room. Yeah. I mean, that could be the case. I don't really know, yeah, what his personal feelings were like if he just liked being alone. But I'm gonna guess no, because while he was at the gas station, he allegedly called one of his friends and invited him to go hunting. But the friend was too busy. And then between 8 o'clock... And about 9.30 that night, he logged several more calls from his cell phone. And the last, the very last one was 9.35 p.m. He made an outgoing call that was, it wasn't picked up by anyone. Like, it wasn't received. So it sounds like he was calling around to his friends, potentially, to, like, hang out and do something while he was in town for the holiday. So I don't think he's an introvert. No. And was he at the trailer when he was making calls? We don't know. So we know that one of them was made from the gas station. And then what happens the rest of the night is a complete mystery. But we're going to try and figure it out. So put on your thinking cap, Kaylee. I lost that a long time ago. I don't know where it went. <laughs> <laughs> She's long gone. <laughs> On Saturday, Mont's father, the Dr. Hiley, he arrives at, they, they refer to the hunting property as the farm, the Hiley property, that's the hunting property where the trailer is, where Mont was supposed to be. So on Saturday, Mont's father, Dr. Hiley, arrives at the farm just as planned. This is in the afternoon. Remember, they were planning on getting together and going hunting, but his dad notices quite a few oddities upon his arrival at the farm. First, when he arrives at the property, the gate is unlocked. And depending on what sources you read, some say that the gate was even wide open. And that's a no-no? That's not what they usually do? I mean, every ranch or farm or rural property I've ever been to, it's like one of the main rules of the property is like, close the gate behind you. That's true. That's true. Another thing is, 
month's car is nowhere to be found. So he's expecting to go and meet up with his son to go hunting, but his car's not even there. Yeah. There's a metal storage shed on the property that is also unlocked and ajar. So just like everything is unlocked. That's super weird. And then the door to their mobile hunting trailer is unlocked and ajar, and the lights and television were left on inside. But there's no sign of Mont. The heck? Yeah. After concluding that his son obviously wasn't anywhere on the property, Dr. Hiley decided to lock everything up and assumed his son had probably decided to meet up with his friends to watch, I think it's a football game, but don't quote me. <laughs> I am so bad with sports, but I guess there was a game on television being broadcast that day between Alabama and Hawaii. And College ball? Yeah, college ball. Basketball? Football? I don't know. Probably this football. Is November, so probably football. Is it Alabama that, that's Roll Tide? They're the Crimson Tide, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So his dad isn't immediately worried. And I'm wondering if maybe his son was just a little bit airheaded or something to the point where he's like, eh, he probably just drove off and left everything unlocked. It's fine. But, you know. <laughs> Do you want to hear what my theory is right now, knowing nothing else? <laughs> yes. Desperately. Okay. Seri non-serious one first. The non-serious one is that he got to the hunting property, he got a few beers in, started noticing something was weird outside, and it's fucking Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> Mothman was in West Virginia, not Alabama. You're telling me Mothman can't travel a few states down and over? I'm sure he's well-versed in, in travel. Slim Pickens in West Virginia. You gotta branch out <laughs> at some point. If it turns out to be Mothman... After you hear all the other details, <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he gets spooked. He already left everything open. Like he he already went into the shed at some point. And so he when he once he sees Mothman, he's like, "Holy shit, I got to get out of here!" He gets into his car. He drives off. Uh, Mothman scoops him up. I don't know what happens to the car at that point, but Mothman took care of all the details like he always does. Theory number two: Mont gets to the trailer. He's kind of rummaging around, like getting things set up. So he leaves some stuff open, but he's drinking while he's doing it. He gets pretty drunk. He gets a call or something from one of his friends saying, hey, we're meeting up here. And he drives drunk to go out. I don't know what happens. Maybe he hits his car. There's probably like a little pond somewhere. Are there gators in Alabama? I don't know. He runs his car off the road into a lake or some shit and gets eaten by gators. Okay. <laughs> Those are pretty good. <laughs> specifically the mothman one i know <laughs> <laughs> but why do we always end up going back to mothman and gators i don't know because they're terrifying <laughs> specifically the gators i feel like i could reason with mothman i can't reason with an alligator or a crocodile. <laughs> if mothman tried to kill me i'd be like wait 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 wait. have you considered not though leave okay. me alive and let me wreak havoc i don't think mothman talks i think he's just menacing Okay, then that's why I always carry a lamp with me in the form of my cell phone. <laughs> okay, I'm moving on. Okay, okay. <laughs> because I want to get get you more details and then you can change your theories, but you're on a you're on a good start. Okay, so where was I? So his dad locks everything up and is like, "Okay, maybe he just went to go hang out with one of his buddies. I'll just lock everything up for him, right?" So he just heads back home. And the, the hunting property is only like 30 minutes away, so it's not like a big deal. But it wasn't until the next day, so now we're on Sunday, that concern for their son began to set in. 
after Mr. and Mrs. Hiley receive an unexpected phone call from their friend Dale Segrist, who happened to own a property only a couple miles away from the Hiley farm. So the Segrists are a family that the Hileys know pretty well. They're a family of lawyers, and they essentially have property very close by, and they get together for things. They're very familiar with each other. And the Segrists have two sons, both lawyers that I think are about Mont's age, but I don't know exactly how many years. But Mr. and Mrs. Hiley get an unexpected phone call from their friend Dale Segrist, and Dale was in was calling to inform them that Mont's Chevy Tahoe was parked at his property, but there was no sign of Mont. What the heck? Okay. So again, this phone call is happening on Sunday. The last time the Hileys saw Mont was Friday evening, so we have no idea what Mont's movements were from Friday night or all day Saturday. Mm-hmm. When the Hileys get to the Seagrist property, sure enough, they find their son's car. It's unlocked. With the keys in the ignition, also in the car is Mont's wallet with $200 cash inside, a briefcase, and Mont's hunting rifle. But there didn't appear to be any signs of a struggle. Why did he get his rifle out and take it with him? Uh, I think it's pretty normal just to keep your gun in your car. It's just usually you keep it locked up. I guess I'm coming from the assumption that... The gun was already at the hunting residence, but that probably was not. Oh the no, case. you're. It wouldn't stay at the hunting property. He probably takes it with him wherever he goes. Okay, never mind then. At least that's my assumption from what I know of yeah. a lot of gun owners. So the Hileys, they're checking out their son's car, and then they decide to do a quick search on the Seagrass property just to see, like maybe he's here for some reason, and they don't find any trace of him. So, so far they know that he went somewhere, but now he's not with his car. He's in a rural area. He doesn't have the money that he drove up with. He doesn't have his wallet or his keys. And he just left his gun in the car unlocked. This is all happening on Sunday, like I said. And just to be safe, the Hileys decide that they're going to check their other property, their lake house, which is at Lake Martin, about 30 miles north. And they're hoping that maybe... Mont had just gotten a ride from someone over there, but when they get there, he there's no sign of him there either. They also decide that they're going to call up some of Mont's friends that live in the area just to see if he's with any of them, but they all deny being with him or hearing from him, except for the friend who said that he called Friday night to see if he wanted to go hunting. And then they also tried calling some of the local hospitals to see if maybe he was checked in, but everything turns up negative. Finally, about 5 o'clock Sunday evening, the Hileys decide that they need to file a missing persons report with the Macon County Sheriff's Office. But they also decide to stop back by the farm that evening and see if they can find any more clues to their son's whereabouts. So remember, Dr. Hiley went there Saturday and locked everything up. And so on Sunday, he decides, like, I better go back over there and see if I missed anything. Because at the time, he wasn't thinking that anything serious was was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So with a pair of fresh eyes and now understanding the severity of the situation, Dr. Hiley returns to the farm and notices a few things he had overlooked during his initial visit on Saturday. On the porch, next to the front door, were his son's boots, and they were all wet. Inside the trailer, on the bedroom floor, were Mont's brand new pants, 
and they were also all wet from the groin down, like he had been in shallow water. Inside the pockets of these wet pants was another $100 cash and his cell phone. But just like with his Chevy Tahoe, there didn't appear to be any kind of a struggle anywhere on the property. Mm -hmm. The Sheriff's Department and the Alabama State Bureau of Investigation orchestrated a search party for Mont the next day. So now we're on Monday with hundreds of volunteers. They had aerial searchers in airplanes. They had tracking dogs, etc. And are we under the impression that he had an extra pair of clothes or those were the only clothes he had? I didn't see any mention of any extra clothes. Okay, so presumably he's without shoes. And pants. And pants. Yes. Is this that's, weird yet? That's bad news. For so many reasons. Yeah. Okay, so they orchestrate a search on Monday, and they get hundreds of volunteers, family, friends, strangers, you name it. And they do find one clue... So as they're searching the Hiley Farm, which, like I said earlier, is 200 and, what did I say, 290? Something like that. 290, yeah. So they're searching this 290-acre property, which, that's big. Yeah. As they're out, kind of in the wooded section of the hunting property, they find the family's golf cart. And it's found about four miles from the trailer. It's still on their property. But four miles into the property, they find the family's golf cart, and it's stuck on a tree root. Is it next to any type of body of water? I saw one source that said it was near a creek. Okay. But I don't know, like, the depth of the creek. And creek is such a vague term, like, it Creeks could be... Creeks can be deep. Yes. Or they could also just be, like, little puddles of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But what I do know is that they find this golf cart... It's stuck on a tr on a tree root, and with the golf cart is one of Mont's turtleneck sweaters, his pistol, and a rechargeable flashlight, which is still functioning. So the flashlight is not dead. Th this has me thinking this man was drunk drunk, or high on something. Okay, why? I'm assuming, okay, right now I'm assuming he was high on something. Um, he went to the hunting property, he went to the farm, and... Whatever he was high on obviously gave him, like, a burst of energy or something. And he was riding around on the golf cart at night, got stuck on a tree root, tried to make his way back home, and he must have gotten paranoid at some point. But how does his car end up two miles away at his friend's property in town? I mean, he must have driven his car trying to get out of there in a hurry. And my, my assumption is that he got paranoid. Or, or maybe even uh, he had taken off his clothes little by little because he was wet? Because he was hot? I don't know, because drugs make you feel and do weird things, and depending on the drug, it could be a lot of different things, but he took off his turtleneck sweater in the golf cart. He trudged through some water at some point on his way back, theoretically, according to my putting together of events. He trudged back in his wet clothes to the RV, took off his pants and his shoes, got in his car, and tried to go somewhere. Maybe to get more clothes? Without his pants or shoes? When you're high, you do weird shit. Okay, so your assumption right now is that he's not sound of mind. No, I agree. Yes. Okay. It should also be noted that while the golf cart was stuck on a tree root, stuck is kind of the wrong word because investigators, when they find it, it's pretty easy to get it unstuck. So someone like Mont shouldn't have had any trouble getting it off. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But if you're high. <laughs> yes. If you're incapacitated somehow, then maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's unclear why the golf cart is abandoned. And then I sent you a map to your email. Can you pull it up and look at it so that... Because this next part might be a little bit confusing if you can't see the places. Sure can. Okay. I have it open. Okay. So if you're looking at the map in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the green symbol with the camping tent. Yes. Yes. That is the Hiley Farm. Okay. The other green symbol with the car, that is where his car was found at the Seagrist property. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you about what the scent-sniffing dogs told investigators. The tracker dogs were able to follow Mont's scent from the Hiley Farm to the Seagrist property, and then they followed his scent across County Road 30. Do you see County Road 30? Yeah. To that orange symbol. Okay. That orange symbol marks where it's a different Seagrest property. I guess it's owned by a different Seagrest relative. So not like the same nuclear family, but one of their relatives owns it. And it's just across the road, right? Mm-hmm. So the dogs follow Montsent from the Hiley Farm to the Seagrest property and then across County Road 30 to that other Seagrest property. And that's where his scent disappears. By December 4th, they call off the search, and the case is still open. The Alabama Bureau of Investigation, ABI, is still going to be looking into it. And the family puts up a reward for $10,000 for any information to find their son. It's not a super productive search. One of the only seemingly productive eyewitness statements collected during the search for Mont comes from an unnamed person, so we don't know where this came from. And this person claims that they saw a dark-colored pickup truck leaving the Hiley Farm about 5 in the morning on Saturday. What? So that's not Mont's car. If that's true, then we have some sort of unknown person at the Hiley property early in the morning, but we don't know what they're doing there. Assuming that it's true. Yeah. Did they look into everybody that Mont called that night? I assume so. And that's the other thing that annoys me is that I tried to do as much research as possible. And there's just no mention of who the actual people are that were in his call log. Because his like his mom is quoted as saying, like, I wish I knew he, who he was talking to right before he made those plans to go out to the farm. And I'm like, uh, can you just like star 69? Yeah. He had a cell phone and or you look can up just... his call log. Yes, yeah, so that's confusing to me. I'm assuming they know everyone who owned those phone numbers that he contacted, but it hasn't been published anywhere who those people were or what his connection to them was. Yeah. So unfortunately, Mont's case comes to a standstill, which prompts his family to then increase the reward amount to 15000 And then again, closer to Christmas time, they raise it again to 50000 hoping for information, but they don't get any leads. It isn't until almost seven weeks later that the final clues in Mont's disappearance are unearthed. So about 10.30 in the morning on Wednesday, January 14th, 2004, a man and his son discover a decomposed body in the unused grain silo on their property, which is only about half a mile from where Mont's scent was lost. 
the distance between where his scent was lost and where this restaurant and this silo are is only about half a mile. Ted Johnson, the owner of the restaurant, and his son are the ones who make this discovery, and this grain silo is unused. It's basically dilapidated. It, they haven't used it since like the 1980s. They said it used to hold soybeans, but they haven't had any use for it in 20 years. They don't even go and look in this silo very often. The only reason they go out even toward that part of their property is because they have a barn back there where they have um, some kennels with dogs. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this is another really weird part of the story. So they find this decomposed body, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's com- decomposed enough that they're not even really sure if it's male or female race or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But this body that they find was apparently completely nude except for a shirt. And it was wearing a $600 wristwatch. And then on the body was a neatly folded pair of jeans. What? On top yeah. of him? Yeah. So I'm picturing like it's just set on the body's lap. Okay. I have some thoughts. I don't know if I should share them right now or later, but. I mean, now's a good time. That's pretty much the extent of the clues, the evidence. I will say that. His cause of death was never released. Oh, that means they have something. Yeah, potentially. So his cause of death was never released, but there has been several public statements by the governor and the Bureau of Investigation that this is, they do suspect foul play, and it is a murder investigation. Okay. You're going to solve this right now, aren't you? (laughs) No, I have no idea who it is, but I I have an idea. Okay. I think he met up with somebody after leaving his parents' house and after the gas station. After the gas station specifically, Mont met up with somebody who he had been calling. Potentially one of the Seagrass boys. But he met up with somebody and they did some drugs. I don't know what kind of drugs they did. I imagine they go back to the farm, f***ing around. They're getting on the golf cart, hanging out, right? They get stuck, they go back, and I think that it starts getting out of hand where, like, if you've ever hung out with somebody who's high and they start to, like, devolve or, like, lose grip of reality, if you're in a better state of mind, you're like, okay, you need to find a place to chill out and just let the high come down, right? So I wonder if whoever he was with, uh, they were just wandering, they ended up going to the silo, it was a safe place, he knew his dad wouldn't find him there when he came back in the morning to go hunting. It was a good place to come down from the high, and left him there, and he ended up dying somehow. Like, either from natural causes, or because they had done something stupid together. The silo just seems like a really random choice. I will say that if he was murdered, it had to have been someone who was very familiar with the local area. Yes. Because otherwise you wouldn't even know that that silo was back there. In my brain, the silo is probably like a place that teenagers went oh, to maybe, do stupid yeah. stuff, right? So maybe yeah. Mont and his friends, when they were teenagers, had gone there. And so they were going back. They were high. They were drunk, whatever. Interesting. So your your timeline, he goes by the gas station. He buys the beer. He calls up some people. The Seagrists are in town. He decides to meet up with them. They get into some kind of drug high. And you're saying that the black pickup truck or the dark colored pickup truck that witnesses saw probably belongs to one of the Seagrist men. And that the reason that Mont's cars at the Seagrass is because they leave the Seagrass farm in that dark pickup truck. They go to the Hiley farm and you think that they get on the golf cart together to just like do stupid stuff around. 
And they get on the golf cart. Yeah, and they get on the golf cart. Okay, so you're thinking he was on the golf cart with someone. Yes. They get stuck on a tree root, but they're so out of it that they can't figure out how to turn around and just whatever. They somehow he ends up waist deep in water because his okay, wet clothes are at the are at the Highly Farm. According to the to the map, that that little green tent that's the Highly Farm or the Highly House. That's the Highly's farm. That's the hunting property. Okay. It's weird, right? Yeah. The wet clothes is the clincher because when the hell did that happen? When did it happen? And then once his pants and shoes are gone. How the hell did he get all the way out there? He has no car. He has no pants. He has no shoes. Is he unconscious? Is he walking around, driving around with someone with no pants or shoes? Like that, that's the weirdest part of this story, in my opinion. So if the dogs lost his scent right where that orange diamond is, that's like right off the side of the road. Yeah. It's possible that he got into somebody's car from that point. And then it's literally just around the bend to where the silos are. Yeah, and I don't know what the roads are like, like how you even get to the silo. Yeah, but it looks like a road leads almost directly there. Which road? You see that dirt road in between the two bodies of water? Yeah, I mean, it looks like like maybe there's gravel roads or ATV trails or something. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, see, and I don't know what all... It's not... There's no main road, but yeah, there's probably footpaths or something but yeah this case drives me absolutely insane ever since i read it also like why is there a pair of jeans with his body and also we know that this couldn't have been robbery motivated because his car had a bunch of valuables in it and then he even had that 600 hundred dollar watch on his wrist like nobody took anything which makes me think it was like he was hanging out with his friends and they did something stupid and they were like oh drop him off here like whether or not it was hey sober up here or hey oh shit he got hurt here or he's gonna he died here and so now we have to hide him yeah so to this day his case hasn't been solved it's an open unsolved murder investigation the investigators have never (gasps) publicly named any suspects or persons of interest wait do you think it's possible he got drunk he had his pants off you know, he, he maybe he got wet, he was drunk, he was by, at the RV, by at the farm by himself. He drove over to the Seagrass house. He gets over there, and he ends up wandering into the street, and a car hits him. Oh. And then whoever hits him loads him up into the car and takes him to the silo. Yeah, but that wouldn't match... That's a possibility, assuming that the witnesses are wrong about seeing the black or the dark-colored pickup truck at his property at 5 a.m. Yes. How would that fit in? Um, I don't know. Maybe whoever hit him knew who it was. Maybe he wasn't dead when they hit him. Um, That seems more outlandish, though. Eyewitness testimony I'm always skeptical of anyway. Yeah. Considering that that's, that's legitimate, then I have no idea how that fits in. Yeah. So, final conclusion is Mothman. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mothman (laughs) hit him with his car. (laughs) Does Mothman drive? Or was he just flying down the highway? Like, with his wings, hella fast. He's gotta get tired of flying sometimes. Mothman's like, I don't get paid enough for this shit. You don't get paid at all, sir. So, this, his body was found in 2004, so... 
just a month ago would have been the 20th anniversary of the discovery of his body. And 20 years later, his parents are still looking for answers. And they're asking that anyone with information regarding Munt's case to contact the Alabama Bureau of Investigation. And you can contact them at 334-676-7870. I will say there's a couple more things about this that are suspicious that I forgot to mention. A couple of sources that I read said that the Seagrists actually had a family gathering at their property that Friday night. And apparently they admit that Mont's car was there at their property that night, but they didn't know where he was. And they didn't think it was odd that his car was there just because they're so familiar with him. What? Oh, he just parked here. But there's that detail that, yes, we kind of know that the Seagrists were in town at their property that weekend and they saw his car. But also, remember I told you that the Seagrists are all lawyers? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, I think Dale Seagrist, the one that called Dr. and Mrs. Hiley, was a judge at one point. But apparently whenever search parties were canvassing all of the relative areas in shorter trying to find him, the Seacrests gave them limited portions of their property that they were allowed to search. Well, that seems strange. It seems fishy. My first thought was that maybe whatever drugs Mont potentially had taken that night came from the Seacrest property. Either they were growing something or they had something in the house. And then they weren't expecting the police or like a big investigation to happen. They didn't have enough time to hide anything. And so when the search happened, they're like, uh, you can search over here, but not over here. Yeah. Now that I'm remembering, like you reminded me that they're lawyers and he might be a judge. He was a judge (laughs) at some point. I'm like, that's too suspicious to not mean to not have a connection there. Yeah. If they're lawyers, then they also know what kind of... How to strategically approach something like this. Yeah, they probably know exactly what they're going to get slammed with, uh, what charges, and it could be potentially really bad, even if it was like... Accidental? Even if it was an accidental death and they never came forward or they were partially responsible, maybe they provided the drugs that killed him. Yeah. That dad is just going to tell his sons like, okay, we're taking this to the grave. Sorry about your friend. That's some small town drama right there. Don't tell Netflix about this. Moral of the story. Don't trust your soul to no backward southern lawyer. <laughs> Cause the judge in the town's got bloodstains on his hands. There you go. There's already songs written about this. <laughs> there is. Reba has been warning us for decades. Reba is a prophetess. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah. She should be on this case. Yeah. I would trust Reba with a lot of things, let me tell you. (laughs) That's the night that the lights went out in Georgia. I guess this is Alabama. Same thing. It's fine. Well, thanks for tuning in this week to Crime Soup Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Also, we hope that it ruined your day. If you'd like to find more true crime content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. We also have a website you can check out and you can listen to past episodes and buy your own Crime Soup merch. Our website is crimesouppodcast.com. As always, we'll see you next Tuesday.
stay safe and bon appetit.